0: Hello, Landing Page Optimization listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash. Next time you browse through iTunes or the Google Play Store on your smartphone, make sure to land on and download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. Listen to new episodes of LPO every Monday or catch up on all the interviews featuring me speaking with the best and brightest conversion thought leaders of today. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile apps in the iTunes Store or via Google Play today. Craftchen, the founder of Clever Zebo. They're an online marketing crew or online marketing strategy crew. Uh, you know, Josh, I'm going to uh, let you kind of describe what you guys do a little bit better than I just did. Welcome.
2: Oh, thanks.
3: Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, so Clever Zebo, we've been around two and a half years. We tend to work with uh, startups or companies uh, really trying to launch a new product and create a digital strategy about a and we really we look at and care about the entire conversion funnel, so from where we first acquire traffic all the way down to when someone actually makes that sale or conversion to a form, and then how do we follow up with them and, and stay in touch
0: okay that, that makes sense, so as i 've always said, you know it has to be connected with uh the on page experience needs to be connected to what happens upstream and downstream and there are powerful kind of amplifiers you can use so let's just uh see so you got what are the biggest knobs i guess you can turn to improve conversion if you look at the whole life cycle
3: yeah that's great um Well, I think obviously it's at the very beginning and probably one of the most critical factors is who are we bringing in the door and where are we finding them? And it's amazing how often a lot of the landing page and conversion funnel work. I do, you really say to yourself, man, we didn't do a good enough job getting the right people in the door. So I'd say number one is just finding, finding the right audience. I think number two is... For that correct audience, it's really giving them the right offer and and the right the right the right message that's going to get them to take that action you want. And so, looking at that point of the point of action.
0: Yeah, and, and I would say I would add to that. Number three is if you got their email address, which is really kind of the minimum for ongoing communication, um, especially if you're dealing on a kind of larger scale as opposed to say. Big business to business, you know enterprise deals, uh, you need some marketing automation to effectively communicate yep Agreed. so so let so let's talk about um, part one of that when you say getting the right audience uh, when, you know so kind of from the again we're conversion centric here on this program, but uh, yep. when is conversion not the thing to start with? Tell us about mismatches that you've seen in audience versus conversion.
3: Yeah, so, so one of the bigger challenges I'm increasingly seeing are mismatches, it, particularly from AdWords traffic, where it, for years people have been, able to, have been able to find pockets of keyword traffic that seems really relevant, um, but, but increasingly, and maybe it's a problem of competitiveness, maybe it's a problem of uh, how much it costs per click. Uh, Maybe it has to do with audiences now finding other areas to find opportunities. Increasingly, it's tougher from AdWords traffic to actually find those conversions, and so one of the things that I just really caution a lot of clients is don't assume that AdWords is going to solve all your problems and be the bomb. There really needs to be other opportunities um maybe that goes without saying but it's amazing how many business owners just like oh man adwords that'll solve all my problems yeah and just, just
0: turn on the faucet right and here comes the here come the audience yep. um, well especially when you're talking about launching new products it's a tell me a little about the issues you grapple with because a lot of times you're creating an audience so how do you zero in on the right audience in the first place
3: Yeah, that's great. So, you know, I I think that's a topic we could talk for hours about. But I I think one of the key strategies that I see a lot of people just overlook is trying to find the right partners. So finding other companies or other outlets that actually are already speaking to that audience and then tapping into that audience. Um, Maybe it's giving them an offer. Maybe it's partnering up in some way, but but finding a, a predefined audience and connecting with them.
0: Okay, so really, it's not for finding a predefined audience, but finding existing channels of talking to to yes. similar kinds of people that you're trying to reach, and That's piggybacking to on it. top of it. Was that, was that a, an okay way to say it? You got it. And, and it's so a you beautiful. Have, so how do you, sorry, go ahead.
3: It, well, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful channel because there often isn't any cost, or if there is cost, it's going to be on an acquisition basis. And when you're working with partners, there can be a real discussion and conversation about who this clientele is, what their needs are, what their desires are, so that you can really put together a very specific message. So that when they actually do come into the conversion funnel, and as you had talked about, to your marketing automation program, you're really tailoring messages that you know from your partner are relevant and are. Interesting to them.
0: Okay, well, the flip side here, and I'm going to play devil's advocate, is uh, finding the right partners and getting their attention and incentivizing them properly. Why the hell would they give you access to their audience?
3: Yeah, that's man, that's like the million dollar question. And so a few thoughts. Number one, you just have to put yourself out there. It's like dating. You know, you just got to put yourself <laughs> out there.
0: Some people oh man, but p- I kept getting shut down in dating too. So that's <laughs> right. <really help. laughs>
3: well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Finally, I found a woman who wanted to marry me, but but exactly. But you know, I, I think the first thing is that you can't go into it with the attitude, oh, no one's going to want to work with me. There's a right partner out there for everyone. I really believe that. Um, number two is I think you have to do your research. And that when you finally do think, when you find people who are the right fit, I think you have to give them a really compelling message and display your passion of wanting to work together. It's like anything else. People can smell BS. And so if you come to them with a really legitimate, well thought through offer, I've found that your your conversion rate in that biz dev process tends to really increase.
0: Okay, but also just, um, yeah, I'm sorry if I'm I'm being a little ornery today, but it also seems like you're saying, okay, find the right business who already has a communication channel and push an offer through them. And I mean, a lot of the partner communication that we do here at SiteTuners is more educational. So we'll we'll use partners to reach an audience to fill seats for a larger webinar or something like that. Uh, not necessarily, I mean, there's a call to action at the end of the webinar, maybe an offer of some kind, but really it's primarily educational Um, educational. Do you find that that's helpful?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's great. So we usually I'll go in in that biz dev process with prospective partners. I'll have a two-pronged approach. I'll first go in saying like, hey, why don't we push this offer or let's, I really want to be transaction focused. But a lot of people aren't necessarily open to that. So the second part is, well, what resources, what educational materials can I offer your folks that would be interesting and valuable to them? And, th- and that tends to be my kind of catch-all second strategy.
0: Okay. All right. And uh, in terms of um, incentivizing, is there any kind of, uh, you know, how do you structure deals to, let's say you do want an offer and you, you know, say we want you to benefit from this offer because we're reaching your audience. uh, What's the typical kind of high level structure of, of the deals?
3: Yeah, there are a few ways to do it. So number one is, and you know, it's I, I just use my own company as an example where when I was launching Clever Zebo, I went to some friends I had in the uh, in the marketing, online, marketing, digital technology space and just said, Hey, launching this company, we'd like to do a free consult for your customers. And it was amazing. Some of the bigger tech guys out there just said, Okay, sure, you know, that fits in. That's not always gonna that's not always going to happen. I think the second thing I've I've found is that if you just do a pure incentive deal it tends not to be that attractive but if you throw some cash in there that can make it more appealing so maybe it's a low amount it's a smaller amount of money up front 5 dollars, a thousand dollars, something like that, plus some kind of incentive on the on the back end on the conversion. I mean we're we're speaking generally so it really depends on the product or service. But I, I do think if you go if, if it is gonna come down to negotiation, giving them some kind of hard figure in addition to the incentive often is, is effective.
0: We'll be back in two minutes. This is your host Tim Ash with LPO landing page optimization.
1: More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment.
2: Black Hat. Webmaster Webmasterradio.fm is ready to take you Behind the Backlinks. We're digging and scraping past the surface of everyday news and views of search engine marketing and dropping our proverbial anchor text on the important issues affecting the industry with our panel of search engine insiders. Behind the Backlinks. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. On demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
0: And we're back. This is your host Tim Ash for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Hey, Josh, uh, I guess switching gears a little bit, When uh, you know, before the break, we were talking about getting the traffic there, and then the, the, the natural course of things is, of course, to optimize your landing page or your on-site experience, um, and people have different approaches to that. Some say you should do usability studies. Some say you should do landing page testing. Some say you should just build whatever you're going to build and look at your analytics. So what's kind of your perspective on that? <laughs>
3: Yeah. I mean, I think those all sound great. And I think there's a time and a place for all of them. Um, I tend to, uh, my viewpoint tends to be skewed toward people who are getting started and have a smaller sample size of historical data. So I'm I'm a huge believer that if you don't really have an effective conversion funnel in place, you need to go with you need to start with what really, what do you think expresses your value proposition most strongly? And you really have to invest. And invest doesn't just mean money. It means getting your team together and everyone really getting on the same page, thinking deeply, thinking about what's that message? How do we show it? How do we tell the story? I, I, I think that Uh, And I do a lot of A, B testing, so I'm I'm a big proponent, but I just think it's important not to rush to that stage. You need to get to a point where you have enough data coming in. Um, And then at that point, then I think you have some interesting decisions about, well, you know, are you going to do that usability work? Are you going to do complete refreshes and redesigns of the whole process or of the landing page? Or are you going to look at individual elements? Um, But
0: yeah, I Go see ahead. kind of uh, a lot of people that um, jump to testing, and I and I talked about this before. You need the right tool for the right job. If you're just doing tactical stuff, which headline or which offer, or what button, size, and color to use, I mean, that that's pretty obvious kind of mix and match, and you can get at the usual psychological motivations and, uh, as a way of coming up with ideas for those kinds of things. But a lot of times, especially when you, what you're describing, the whole environment is – uh, kind of more unsettled, the business model 's unclear the the market segments uh, the staging of of the offering itself, so uh, you know you kind of have to have faith i think and and just hang it out there and see how it 's doing for a while. Yeah.
3: And, you know, something interesting I found is that that same approach that that we're describing, it actually can work well for bigger companies who do have a lot of historical data. One of the things I've noticed is that larger companies can get really comfortable with their incremental change. And so everything becomes about, well, let's just test this message or this button color, as, as you're saying. But a spirit of reinvention and of kind of approaching it from a totally new angle can be valuable also. And it's something I found in multiple instances, where there comes a point when you say, well, what are we going to squeeze out with another three months of this kind of rigorous testing, another 2%? What could we do to radically reimagine how people come into this flow and give them something exciting and new? So my, the, the, what, I'm, what I'm saying, it tends to be more – it, it comes from my perspective working with startups, but I think there's something valuable there for companies of all sizes and maturities when they're thinking about how to get real gains in, in their conversion flow.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with you. I mean, there's a certain kind of uh, herd mentality or you get into a rut and you're testing the same kinds of things. I mean, there's a real danger also because you're on the inside of the company to just kind of do this uh, incremental testing and say, yeah, look, I'm justifying my salary, but you're really not swinging for the fences, as they say in baseball. So it's good to be a heretic and really shake things up a lot sometimes. And uh, really, like you say, reconsider often the business model or the the, the flow of interactions with the potential client. Yeah. Or, or So I totally agree with you. You've got to think big. I mean, sometimes you'll spectacularly fail big, but that's okay because that's just a short-term learning. But hopefully you'll find something in that process.
3: And then, one only one more thing I'll add to that. Going back to uh, the, where we started the conversation, looking at the origins of traffic, you know, one of the things that's amazing is that someone who's coming through on an exact match keyword can really behave differently than someone who's coming in from a demographic group through Facebook or LinkedIn. And it can really be a radically different thought process and series of needs. And so, you know, I, I think that that reinvention can, can be true not only of just the entire funnel, but of individual segments. And I mean, hopefully, you know, once people get to enough, have enough data, they're, they're segmenting anyway and looking at data. But I think that if a particular segment isn't working well, or it, it, it's not behaving the way others are, that radical reinvention and, and, and rethought process might be needed, even for that specific segment.
0: Yeah, and, and I would say that there's you're absolutely right that if um, there's different kinds of intent that's formed around people that are you know, kind of coming in at, um, well, from different sources. So if, from search, if you can tell something about their intent based on the keyword and their stage in the buying process. Of course, more people are going to be at the more general stage at the top. And then, of course, it's nice to cherry pick those late bottom of the funnel folks, but uh, social media is a whole nother game. I mean, my friend Marty Weintraub um, is one of the mad scientists of, of social media marketing. And some of the stuff they do with Facebook is just you know, unbelievable. It's all about uh, really getting the psychographics and not necessarily the intent of the person. Uh, it's a completely different game. So I agree with you there. Um, yeah. And then, like you say, partner traffic, uh, you have to understand... And of the context in which they 've interacted with your partner already, to tell us about some examples of that
3: yeah you know it's it 's interesting i'm working with a um, a company who i i can 't mention the name, but they are they basically have an information product and it 's an information health product it 's basically their, their you can get access to videos and um, audio that help you get training around how to deal with a certain health issue and Um, they have a very long-form landing page. It's kind of the classic affiliate long-form page that probably takes you an hour to read through the whole thing. Uh And and What's amazing is that that page performs incredibly well with this partner traffic. It's basically there's an affiliate who's sending out an email to several tens of thousands of people who are in some ways interested in health. This long-form page works amazingly well with that traffic. But when, you take that, when we've taken that exact same page and now tried to run it through AdWords and Facebook, the, we're, we're looking at bounce rates that are in the 90s. People are barely spending time. It's just way too overwhelming for what they need.
0: That's, that's, that's a perfect example. I mean, that's a major disconnect. It's, a, it's like searching for a specific thing, boom, long-form sales letter. Yeah, let me spend an hour and read that. I mean, that, obviously, from a search context, that's a, that's a really bad fit. So let's. uh, uh, What about uh, just uh, kind of some of the implications of coming from more traditional search engine optimization? Uh, Tell uh, how does that play into this? A lot of times, you know, we want good content and we want to test content, but uh, I know a lot of people are afraid to touch any on-page stuff for fear of blowing up their SEO.
3: yeah and you know i like I don't think that fear is completely unwarranted um, <laughs> I, like I have to be honest that. You know, I, I've I've so I've seen a number of situations where you have a page that's performing well in organic, and you do testing, and everything's okay, and maybe even call a new winner, and you have a lot of the same content, you don't have a problem. But I've also seen other situations where you have a real stallion that's performing amazingly well in organic search, sort of above and beyond where you could even imagine it should be, and then you start messing around and tweaking, and you're, even if you're doing the right things. Um, and and there can be an issue. So I I actually am a believer. And if something's really working well, you don't necessarily always want to play with it. But but to your question about um, SEO, you know, I just think we're in a really different world today uh, than we were several years ago. With with all world? the well, you know, we used to be in a world world where words, keywords, and their frequency and their relevance was everything. And increasingly, not only is you know the usability of the site and user experience more important, but I think the fundamental business model you know what are you are you aggregating information? Do you have one point of view? Are you selling products? Are you capturing user information up front um, like the fundamental push of what you 're doing has a big impact, and so you know, I think the general rule of thumb now I say to anyone who talks to me and all of my clients is you really need to provide the maximum possible value for your customers. That has nothing to do with price. You know, I think often that requires you charging and sometimes maybe you don't. But I think that that the the lead question from an organic search point of view which I think also really dovetails with what's going on from maybe a testing point of view. What's the maximum possible value I can give to my customer in this instance? And I think it can be challenging because, you know, a lot of the time we as conversion optimization experts are said, well, make me more money, bring me more revenue. Um, Same with organic search, bring me more traffic. But right. I think I think the gauntlet that's been thrown down by Google is that that short term thinking, you know, maybe you can game the system for a little bit, but it really it's not going to stand up over over time.
0: Yep, uh, I uh, completely agree with you. And and uh, you know, basically, it really has to be. Uh, I mean, I don't believe Google's BS about you know do no evil, but certainly I think their their long term goal is to make uh, content that's that's durable and actually helpful to people, and that's what they're going to try to rank highly, as opposed to uh, one-trick ponies or or gimmicks or ways to get around their stuff. So I, I know we could go on and talk about you know, the SEO implications of testing forever, but I'm afraid we're on another break. Uh, when we come back from the break, I want to know what the heck you were doing at 11,000 feet hiking on a glacier in a pair of sandals.
1: More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment
3: Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs.
4: Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now.
2: Affiliate Marketing Today, since 2004. The best source for affiliate marketing news, views, and education. Your source for getting the most out of your affiliate marketing strategies. Affiliate Marketing Today, on demand anytime, inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
0: And we're back. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO landing page optimization. And this week I'm continuing my conversation with Josh Kraftchen of Clever Zebo. And Josh, hiking on a glacier in your sandals? What up?
3: <laughs> yeah. So let me specify a couple things. When I say 11,000, maybe I'm rounding up slightly. It was probably 10 and 5, 10, 6 rounding up. Um, and when I say, gl- Sure, there was snow all around me. Um, but so my wife and I love to. Just want to make sure we're being accurate and truthful. <laughs> okay, my wife right, and I love to. We love to go hiking. It's one of our favorite things to do together. To go backpacking, and we we only came out to the West Coast uh, a couple of years ago, and so we just have gotten into going to the Sierra Nevadas and hiking. And so the sandals part, I had never really been up that high for a long amount of time. I had only gone for you know a few minutes and then come back down. And I didn't quite realize that especially when night comes at 10, 11,000 feet that it gets really cold. So I had my Chaco walking around and everyone's saying, dude, why are you wearing Chacos? You should have boots on.
0: Um, that's, that's it. <laughs> all right, well, but still, through the snow and sandals, that's that's asking for it. Uh, yeah, the, the, the rule of thumb, uh, I'm sure all the hikers and uh, mountain climbers out there know it is you can expect about a three degree drop for every thousand feet of elevation. So yeah, you're talking about 30 degrees, a lower temperature than when you started at the bottom of the mountain. Um, Well, one of the, the, I want to just end with a couple of quick tips that you have for people that, uh, you know, just mistakes to avoid when they're thinking about conversion rate optimization.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, You know, Don't expect that you're going to improve your conversion rates by 3 or 4x. Go in thinking conservatively. It's not that it's impossible, but be really conservative um, and that – I, as, as a lot of other professionals, are going to try and give you a rosy scenario and so ask for a worst case scenario. The other thing is don't think about the conversion funnel independently of traffic sources and how you're getting people into the picture. And if your plan, if your launch plan depends on AdWords traffic and that's the real brunt of it, I really, I really recommend you, you think hard about how you're going to get people in and, and, and who's going to become your core customer base.
0: Okay, that's one. Uh, I'll take two more, please. (laughs) Yeah, sure.
3: Um, You know, I think that we, and and I've even, I catch myself sometimes thinking in a desktop world, and increasingly so much traffic is happening through mobile. And it's not just the things that you used to associate with mobile, someone buying flowers or um, someone buying low cost items. Really, a lot of a lot of transactions are happening over mobile, and a lot of people are doing business, just B2B stuff over mobile. So I think that mobile needs to be a big part of your strategy. And if you're doing a website redesign or if you're doing landing page testing and you're not thinking about how it shows up on a mobile device um, – think again. (laughs) Um, And then likewise, I think the decision of whether to build an app or to use responsive design or to um, build a mobile-friendly page only is a really important one, and I think that deserves time along with all the other decisions on building.
0: Okay, so where do you fall on that? We're getting a lot of talk about uh, mobile and responsive design. When is it not appropriate, clearly not appropriate to fork off and have separate versions or even develop a responsive version?
3: Well, so so I think the question is, when is it, so I hear two questions. One question is, when is it not appropriate to build some kind of mobile-friendly site? And then the second question is, when is responsive design more or less appropriate than building a mobile-only page? And
0: yep, And if you just give me a minute on those two, that would be great.
3: To the first question, you know, I think that how much time you spend on mobile should really be a function of two kinds of research. One, looking at your analytics and see how people are coming from mobile devices. But two, it's possible that, that that your numbers there are skewed because of how you've gone after acquiring business or because of the current mobile experience of your site. So I think you really need to do some competitive research and see what are other people in your space doing. If you If there's anyone you can talk to, who can give you a sense of where folks are coming from, I think it's really valuable. So there may be situations in which they're just, if you're working with maybe older audiences or audiences that are not as frequently on mobile devices, maybe it's not as important. But I think increasingly, I think it's really important. To so the second question, one of my clients is, uh, it's a, they're a user- testing uh, technology called Loop 11, and then there's also, they have a sister company that's a usability firm in Australia. And so they actually wrote a great blog post on this question of, well, do you do responsive design or mobile only? A lot of people, they hear responsive design, and they say, oh man, let's make it responsive, let's make it responsive. The fact of the matter is that responsive design is not actually as easy to pull off as it can seem. I mean, sometimes you can do it well, but other times, especially if you need to have a really specific funnel through your process and you're working on smaller devices, the responsive Mm -hmm. design approach, it's just too much of a a hatchet. And so I, I think it's highly dependent, but if you really need things to be in the right Place on a particular screen size, then uh-huh. I think you want to you want to think about going uh, mobile only for that okay. page design.
0: Very good. Some great advice. I know we could keep talking for hours. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, just want to do a quick shout out. You are one of our highly rated speakers at Conversion Conference. We have our next uh, U.S. show coming up in Boston, September 30th and October 1st. And for our loyal Webmaster Radio listeners, use the code WMFM for $100 off your registration at conversionconference.com. WMFM. Uh, thanks again, Josh. Really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with our audience. And uh, see you on the flip side.
4: This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.